Welcome to the Canvas Podcast. This episode was recorded on July 17, 2015. Today, we have Kona Jones, Director of Online Learning at Richland Community College, and Sam Backert, Director of Academic Technology at San Juan Community College. Hey guys, how's it going? Pretty good. Great, thanks. All right. Well, uh, we are moving right along through July, which means August is just around the corner. And we all know what August means, right? Faculty come back. <laughs> and students. Yep. Faculty and students come back. That's right. So our, uh, our slow days in summer are um, coming to an end. And so for a lot of us that uh, do faculty support, um, we're starting to think about our new faculty orientations, um, our training programs, our resources. Um, are they up to date? And I thought it would be real interesting to have a conversation um, about how we handle new faculty orientation, what it's like at your institution, um, what are you doing, how's that working, and kind of what do you um, – what have you thought about doing? What do you maybe wish you were doing differently or anything like that? Um, so, Kona, I was going to have you start us out and tell us um, what you do to orient new faculty, how you um, get them trained, what that process is like, what implementing it was like, and, and um, how you feel it's working so far. Because I think you may have um, the, the most extensive orientation set up um, of the three of us here. Okay. Well, I'll, I guess I'll just to kind of preface that when we uh, made our switch to Angel way back, so we're going way back, in, you know, the way back machine, um, all of our training was done face-to-face. -face, and uh, I think we, we did the best job we could. We had multiple training, you know, face-to-face -face training sessions, and uh, we tried to provide some online resources, but in general, um, I just didn't feel like the training was very effective because most of the time, you know, the sessions were offered when it was convenient, you know, for me, it was during the day, uh, it was during Monday through Friday, and uh, a lot of times it seemed like the faculty would come and uh, learn, you know, about Canvas, and then they would go out and maybe not actually try to use any of those skills for a couple days, a week, or even longer. And so then when they were trying to actually implement those skills, actually try to use them, uh, they really just weren't understanding it. They weren't getting it. Um, we had lots of problems at the beginning of the semester where courses weren't set up correctly. So students are complaining, faculty are, you know, are really anxious and, and upset because, you know, it's the last thing you want the first week of class is for your class to be all messed up. So thanks to that kind of train wreck uh, of a, a training process, when we uh, decided we were going to make the switch to Canvas, I did some research and really kind of looked into different training methods and what I found at least that I thought would work well for our faculty is kind of a just-in-time training model where we put all of our training completely online and developed basically a training course that t would take faculty through everything they needed to know not only about how to use Canvas but how to teach in an online environment whether that was for a traditional course a hybrid or online uh, something kind of about also our resources that are available at our particular institution, um, some of our procedures and things that, you know, you need to do each semester or at the beginning of each semester um, working at our institution. So we kind of took all of that, put that in together as a one comprehensive training course that is mandatory 
So it's completely online. It's in Canvas. Faculty, um, basically, as soon as they let me know that they would like to use Canvas, we enroll them into the training course and also create a sandbox course for them. So that way, as they're working through the training course, the goal is kind of, you know, you learn something in the training course and then you can apply it in your sandbox course. Because then the ultimate goal is that by the time they finish the training course, they have a fully built course in their sandbox. So once they do that, they then contact me and I check out their sandbox. Um, and we have a rubric that we use and they, they're given the rubric, you know, the very first module of the training course. So it's no surprise what I'm using to look at their course. But I basically just go through the course using the rubric, provide feedback to them. They then have to make changes based on the feedback, um, let me know. And I kind of, sometimes that's it, they've made the changes, they're great. Sometimes we kind of have to go back and forth for a while. But ultimately, um, they're not approved to teach in Canvas until I've given the green light that everything looks good. Uh, we have this at different levels. So like I don't evaluate a traditional course the same way I would in an online course. But then that also means we have different levels um, that we have built into the training to where you might be approved to teach in Canvas, but only for traditional courses. So that means if you decided you wanted to teach online, you would then have to go back through, um, not the training course necessarily, but you would have to go back through the process of building an online course in your sandbox and getting it proved um, at the online level before you would be able to teach. Uh, any questions about that? I'm sorry, I feel like I'm going on and on. Um, any there's, questions? There's a lot to talk about there uh, about this, uh, and you know, it, especially on your end because you do have uh, quite a more extensive program than. The, and I know that I do, and I, I like I like what you're doing. I am a little bit curious how how difficult was it to um, implement that um, you're not allowed to teach until you complete um, until you complete this uh, process. Um, just as far as you know, at an institutional level, um, what sort of buy-in did you have to have? And then I am curious too how much of your orientation program is. Um, is LMS training and then how much other stuff do you mix in there? Because I know that um, one thing that I try to do is, is make my – what I say as LMS-specific um, as possible um, and let other people talk about what, what their departments do because there's so many other things that a new faculty has to learn in that first week um, that I try and just our, – our resource center – our online course for faculty is um, just about Canvas stuff. Um, but yeah, so two questions for you there. How hard was it to, to put in that process? And um, is, your, is your online course m mostly just about using the LMS? All right. Um, for the first question, I think what helped is that, um, first of all, I have a pretty good re working relationship with our faculty, um, even though I'm an administrator. Uh, I don't consider myself an administrator. I mean, I mean, that sounds funny, but like, I hang out with some of the faculty. I consider a lot of the faculty my friends. Um, like, we go to lunch and stuff. So I kind of have a good rapport in general with faculty. I think it also helps that I've taught in the past and I, I'm teaching right now. So it's something to where they know that, you know, I'm, I'm not just an administrator who's never done this. I've done this. Um, I'm also married to a faculty member there. So that kind of helps that I'm not out to get them because that means I'd be out to get my own husband. Uh, and then the other part of that um, that I think is probably the most important other than the good rapport with my faculty is that I have an online learning task force. 
and this task force is kind of a kind of a guiding committee that I am the chair of the committee but it's made up of faculty from every division and I got their buy-in they love the idea they actually as I was developing it they actually looked through it and gave comments and feedback and suggestions on what should be there um, how it should work so I kind of got this committee's green light as to this looks good I think other faculty would find this useful and so that helps because they were um, in each division so they could go kind of go back to their own hallway and tell the other faculty hey this is actually going to make your life a lot easier you know this is going to be a good thing you know you don't have to come sit through these face-to-face -face sessions you can go through it on your own you know there will be videos there will be handouts so I have to say that word of mouth through other faculty really helped you know it come across as not you know this heavy-handed awful thing uh, I also really tried to promote it as this is going to make your life a lot easier because you don't have to come to a face-to-face -face session you know if you like to work in the early morning then do it in the early morning if you want to work late at night you work late at night um, also the faculty knowing that they were have all these resources available all the time uh, to kind of go back and refer to so I think it was kind of a combination of those things that really helped but in general I had little to no pushback from our faculty. So the takeaway I got there was that if we want to implement something like this, we need to marry a faculty member? Um, yeah, it, it helps too. <laughs> I'm just um, integration canvas because he's our back-end right, canvas integrator yeah. and he does all the programming for all of the, uh, the, the stuff that we do. So, so yeah, if you can find someone at your college who's a faculty member and also a tech expert and marry them, I give two thumbs up. For Get that hitched idea. in your in your um, solid. No, I think what you said about um, doing it through a, a committee or a task force or whatever the um, the cohort is named, um, so that you already have buy-in from the beginning, and that this doesn't come across as something coming down from on high or that some stranger is pushing on you, but actually something that um, was developed in cooperation with um, with other faculty and with their peers. Yeah. Well, and I'll also say that. Um, it is not mandatory for our faculty to use Canvas. Now, if you want to teach online or hybrid, you obviously do have to use Canvas, but you don't have to teach online and hybrid. So it's ultimately the faculty member's choice whether or not they want to do these things. Even though it's their choice, we've got 90% um, of our full-time faculty who are using Canvas. And that's going through the training process, and that's everything. So, and I should mention, for anyone listening, if you want to go and um, check out more about um, Richland Community College's mandatory orientation programming, there is a nice blog post in the Canvas community, in the Canvas admin space. Um, just get in there and search for mandatory orientation programming. Um, Sam, did you want to jump in and, and share how this compares to um, what you've been doing? Sure. Um, when we first moved from Angel to to Canvas um, in 2000, fall of 2014, um, we went at the same approach that we used to train with Angel, was which face-to-face stuff. Um, and then it, it got to the point where it was getting, we'd have one or two people show up and there would be sometimes more trainers present than faculty that we were working with. And so what we, we, we've been moving towards over the last several months um, and we're trying to get it done for this fall is what, you know, more of a competency-based approach. Um, we have three levels and we were kind of theming it around uh, martial arts type thing. You have white belt, green belt, and the black belt. Um, the white belt would be for any faculty who are teaching in a face-to-face -face or traditional 
course, but they want to use Canvas. Um, and then the green belt would be the fully online instructor. And then black belt, we're um, developing to be um, like a course developer, someone who's going to be building a course that they may not be teaching, um, but maybe have an adjunct that comes in to teach the course or that they are lead instructors who who have multiple adjuncts that they're working with. So they set up the course and then work with them to customize or, or get it ready. Um, and so we're still in the the development part of both of those ladder belts, the green and the black. Um, but we've had the white belt running for, for about three or four months now and, you know, steady adoption from, from folks. But this fall we're going to be uh, doing a big push with that to get, we'd like to have all of our faculty have a, a white belt. Um, and we're trying to make it um, somewhat gamified. I don't know if it would be the right, way to describe it, but it's kind of a friendly competition with, you know, which school or division has the, the most percentage of, or the highest percentage of faculty with the various belts. And I'm um, just really encouraging that way. I do really like that, that, that theme, that karate belt theme uh, that you're using there. Yeah. So, and then we have, um, we're working on getting, um, everyone has their, you know, their name badge for their key card or whatever to get on campus. And so we've built some um, little cards that they can attach to their, with their name badge that represents their belt and it you know they have the white belt green belt and black belt it has the canvas logo with uh, the chinese symbol for white green and black on there and so it, they look real nice there's some graphics that they can attach to their email um, signature or they even change their desktop background to show that they are a white belt certified so we're trying to get it you know and so far the response has been really uh, well received the at first when i started sharing that with administration they thought that maybe the whole belt system would be thought of as cutesy and um, it's coming across well. It I'm not getting any pushback like, well, why would I want a white belt? It's, you know, for them, they just call it level one if that's the case, you know. But um, so I think it's, it's going to work well. The key difference, I think, then, um, than the one that Kona has is that it we have a, several assignments that the faculty submits as they're developing. So that they, they set up their grade book, then they submit an assignment to let us know. So we can provide um, feedback as they're building that course. And maybe, so it's not as daunting at the end. And I, maybe I misunderstood how Kona's doing it, but um, but yeah, that way we, throughout the whole time they're spending in there, they do a 10, 15 minute task. They're sending us a link of that thing built inside Canvas. And then we're able to, provide feedback or guide them along um, so that when they're done, um, everything is complete and ready to move on to the next level. I like that both of you have some sort of um, recognition after the fact for, for Kona's um, setup, the faculty end up with a, uh, with a sandbox that has been vetted and can be used as a, a template or, you know, a, a note system. They they can always fall back on that as here's how I set it up in this course. I have this this great example that people helped me create, helped me refine, and I can always refer back to it. I can always use it as um, a a type of certificate of completion. Here is my vetted approved course. Um, I have this. It indicates that I did this thing. Um, Sam, you guys are doing 
nice uh, name tag badges and email signatures and desktop backgrounds. That also serves as a recognition item um, that they that they did this. So you're both doing that, and I think that's great. Uh, you both sound like you kind of had the same transition over time from a lot of face-to-face training to something a little bit more on-demand, uh, just in time, um, and, and more accessible to people. Um, now, while Sam, yours isn't mandatory, though, right? Uh, we have not been able to get that that nod, and we've been. I think it's coming. Um, and hopefully, you know, the faculty don't miss, if they hear this co- podcast, it's not official yet. Just so, <laughs> um, But it's it, it's something that I think our administration, and anyway, I think we're going to go the same path that Kona described, is moving through it, having faculty help us define what that mandatory thing means and that thing. It's, it, we just officially, no, we don't. It's not mandatory. We I think I'd like it to be. We have a lot of faculty who start teaching online. Um, brand new hires they're not really ready and so it, you know it's a real quick one hour overview let's get you going so that at least on the first day of class you have something in place because class starts monday it's thursday we got to get this going um, i want to move away from that and i, I know administration does too there's always going to be a, you know those one-time exceptions where we have to hire somebody because a faculty member had to couldn't teach that was planning on and that kind of thing but I really want to see us move to that that mandatory component. And I like the, we've been describing it as a standard minimum use of Canvas um, for our face-to-face instructors instead of mandatory. So it's not, I don't know. We've got something very similar coming this fall as well. I would say that uh, um, required minimum use would be a good way to describe it. Um, we're, we're going to be asking all faculty to put their syllabi and uh and grades into Canvas, yep. uh, which, of course, uh, we know that yeah. to get your grades into Canvas, you can't just go put numbers in the grade book. You actually have to create assignments. Right. And that's that's actually everything that's in our white belt covers what that kind of that standard minimum use of Canvas would be. Like syllabus, and we have what's called a course guide, which is really the syllabus and at other institutions. And then setting up a a simple gradebook, just using the assignment shells. Um, not necessarily that they're going to accept assignments through Canvas, but there's a place to enter the grade. Um, and then having the course published so that students, because we use evaluation kit for end of course mm-hmm. evaluations. And so we want the, that gives students an option to get to the, to fill out those end of course evaluations if the course is published. And so that's our kind of our four um, items that we ask folks to, to have in place. So syllabus, course guide, grade book and then publish your course so that your students can fill out the evaluations and the white belt covers those four things um, getting folks ready so when they're done with that white belt just like with Kona's they have a, a course that's finished that they could copy and bring over um, they get a certificate when they're done and they get to hang something around their neck um, and show off that they're they're finished so I really love that aspect um, in fact we are completely with the new canvas UI coming out we're kind of scrapping, you know, our current model and and redesigning and redeveloping it. And I like the idea that you know these kind of these visual things that you can put out there. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's a really a really cool idea. We've done something kind of similar. We've got a, a faculty academy thing, and uh, we've got door magnets 
that have our logo and some like maybe information on it on the little on the magnet and we give that out for different things like if you present or if you come to a specialized workshop you get a magnet with the workshop information you know, logo on it sure so now I'm wondering you know th listening to you I'm thinking you know that might be kind of a really cool you know thing maybe to integrate into what we're doing so I, I like I like a lot of what you're doing there I think that's really some pretty cool stuff Thanks. And this is why I wanted to have this conversation. I, this may just be a, a good start. Um, I, I'd kind of seen it crop up in the community a little bit, people asking, hey, how are you training your faculty? This is how we're training ours. Lots of people sharing their um, resource centers or training courses or whatever they're being called. Um, and I do think that um, all of us who are in the position of, um, of training new faculty um, would benefit from some cross-pollination of ideas. Yeah, I agree. It, it's always nice to hear uh, what others are doing, and then oh, ours is you know in that similar vein, um, and it's it's helpful to then say oh, I could tweak mine just a little bit more and have a little bit more success because of you know adding this particular feature. So yeah, I definitely. Hopefully that that we can. Not only it doesn't stop here with the podcast, but we can maybe keep the conversation going. And I should mention that Canvas has a training course for faculty that you can go and get access to. I think they're revising it right now, so um, I can't provide you with a um, with a link or destination for that because um, it's it's under construction for um, some some of the new updates. So they're working on revising that, but Canvas has one that you can take and use and build off of. Uh, many other community members have shared their resource centers, and you can go and search those out on the community. Um, you can contact um, either one of us um, in the community if you want to um, see what we're doing. I know Kona has shared her um, public training course um, in the community already. And there is also a document in the community called Canvas Training Courses, where it's just a list of other institutions and their training courses for faculty, students, and Canvas admins. Um, so you can go in the community and search for Canvas Training Courses to find that list. So there's lots of good resources out there as far as online training courses, and it seems like that is the trend, um, that we've we've all done a lot of face-to-face, -face, but we've, for one reason or another, um, added on online training systems or online resource centers. Um, so what I have is kind of watered down um, from what Kona and Sam have, which is it's just um, a sort of self-paced guide. Um, but there aren't specific tasks involved. It's not set up like an actual course. It's more set up as a um, aggregate aggregation of documentation. Um, and we don't have any sort of requirement to have people participate. Um, I do feel like that when I do face-to-face -face training, which we still do as well, um, that Kona is right on that the delay between when the training occurs and when the um, the knowledge is put into practice that 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 time in between is um, really bad for for knowledge retention um, that it would a lot of times I I tell them just what I think are the basics in the in the face to face training, and then I let them tell me what they need to do, and then we go do that thing. Because if I, I I've realized over time that if I try and guide the guide it too far, that we just end up talking about a bunch of things they don't need to do right now, and they they don't retain that that knowledge. 
something because we would do something kind of similar when we did our face-to-face -face trainings and what I found was that then often faculty weren't then aware of things that if they had been made aware of so even though you might not think they need it right now because they aren't really ever made aware of it then they don't ever try to use it or they don't even you know they have this problem and they've just been going for a couple semesters never realizing oh you know I could just be using peer review or oh I could be using the scheduler or yeah. um, that's why if anything I, I'd like to tell our faculty think of this training course as the full menu this is the full menu of everything canvas has to offer but what you get to do is kind of go through learn a little bit about everything and then pick and choose and focus in on the key things that you think you want to use right now but then you can always come back to that full menu and uh, decide you want to add something else to the menu you know it's kind of an a la carte type of thing you know go through the full menu figure out which pieces you want to add now and then as you get more comfortable then you are aware of you know those other features and can go back you know refresh your memory what they're about and then start pulling them in and kind of adding to what you do with your course yeah, I had uh, one faculty member who came to me, you know, early this summer and was, was like, you know, kind of suffered in silence all spring um, because it was just she was having a hard time having to do some regrading in an exam. And I, I told her about the ability to turn the grade by question um, feature on um, and that she could then jump from question to question by just clicking a number and then go to the next student and do the same. And she was dragging through trying to find question 48, you know, 32, and then she found that it wasn't numbered, so she was counting, and she was so frustrated. And it was one of those things that if she would have known about that through the training that we'd done, this is what you can do with SpeedGrader, turn this feature on. It saves, you know, valuable time in there. And so I think getting them to see everything that can be done is overwhelming, um, but it, it's something that at least they can maybe, you know, oh, I remember there was something about that. I'm gonna go back to the training and, and get some, you know, get a refresher on SpeedGrader or, or whatever, so. What I'm starting to, to feel like and kind of where my vision for the future um, has been um, going is that what we've done in the past was to kind of do our own version of the guides. Um, and so that was started by my predecessor and something we've kept up. But what, what I'm really feeling like I want to move towards is more of um, what it sounds like um, you have Kona, which is more of a simulation of building an actual course. So creating a, an online training course that is actually a simulation of building a course and actually winds up with them having a, a real product that can serve multiple purposes um, and shifting away from trying to provide a um, customized documentation center. I think I want to start trying a way to phase out our resource center, um, phase it into um, into something, into the official documentation, um, perhaps through a group in the community, which we'll talk about that a little bit later, uh, and, and focusing my time and energy on developing something that actually takes them through the process of building a course, has some different levels of achievement, um, leaves them with an end result at the end of that, um, 
What are your thoughts on on that sort of approach? Are you guys feeling the same, or do you still feel the need to um, house your own documentation? How strongly are you um, trying to push faculty towards the documentation, relying on going to the community to find documentation, et cetera? We're we're pushing everybody to the community, and in it, as we are developing our course, we're not doing anything if if. Canvas already has a guide on a particular topic. We're just linking to that. And so the assignment would be read these three guides on using the gradebook or setting up an assignment. Um, and then go to your course in your sandbox, set that up. And then number four is, you know, post a URL, the URL of your completed gradebook when you're finished. Um, and, the, and so then we're not, so if the feature changes, we're not having to do redevelopment on on new guides. Um, and so that's been our, our biggest focus is just, we need, if, if Canvas has something, then we're sending it to it. And the only time that we would develop something is if it's San Juan College specific in the way that we do things, like how we encourage faculty to adjust the navigation in, in the course, or um, here's our effective practices on facilitating discussions or how to manage a, an online course, those kinds of things. And that would be the only documentation or things that we well, you would said develop. something there that, that really um, opened my eyes a little bit it was that one thing that I was concerned with with this approach is that um, you know sometimes it can be daunting to show up at the front door of the community and and just start trying to find things um, and I say that as a heavy user of the community so one of my concerns has been that uh, okay w through this transition they're going to get a little bit daunted by the amount of information that is in the community and the amount of things that they have to search for and, and the new method of searching but what you're saying is how you in these in these sort of structured training that you have you have those links out to the documents that they can the person who's completed the training can say, okay, I need to remember how to do this thing. Well, I remember learning about it in the training course. If I can find my way back to that part of the training course, then I've got access to the links to those guides. Right. And, and that way, it, it, we do have one assignment where we ask them to search the guides for how to, and one of the questions we always get is, how do I give my students more time on a quiz? Well, they have to find, you know, they do a search in the community to find that and then they post the URL for it. But then, yeah, the rest of the stuff, we're, we're kind of being curators. We're going through and finding the guides that they need to do the things that they need to complete the assignments in the course so that, that we can kind of free up that search time, get them to the right guides. They know the exact steps and, and Canvas is always updating those for us um, and keeping them in line with the, all the changes that are coming out. I would have to say we do uh, we do the similar thing. Um, I, the only, in fact, this is one reason I think we are definitely, I'm looking forward to updating, is that when we first made our switch, and I, I don't know how long you guys have both been with Canvas, um, but Angel documentation was, was horrific. Uh, in fact, we told <laughs> faculty to please do not look at the Angel user guides because they are, un, I mean, they're completely not helpful at all. And we were burned so bad by those, I think, when we first made the switch to Canvas, because we made that switch now, um, we start, first started making it a little over three years ago. Uh, we had been burned so bad, we weren't quite ready to trust the amazingness that is the Canvas guides. So in our training, we do have the links to all of those resources, but we also had created um, all of our own kind of customized. Um, but now looking back and now realizing that 
the Canvas community is not going to do us wrong, um, that they are <laughs> absolutely, no, I mean, it sounds bad, but I mean, we got burned really bad by the angel guides. I mean, yeah. they were awful. They were horrible. Uh, and the, I mean, we just weren't ready to trust the Canvas guides, but for anyone listening, trust in the Canvas guides, like seriously, put yep. your faith in them. I mean, they, they are amazing. And when we redesign our training, we are going to be focusing um, completely on directing them to the guides. Um, we're going to do something similar to where uh, what Sam did, where you know it's not like oh just go find it yourself. And I mean we're going to give you know here's the links to these resources, here's the links you know depending on the topic. Uh, and for us, I think the only difference is our faculty really like video, and there's not always enough video, um, which I understand. You know Canvas has got a lot to do, and their guides are awesome. So we end up making a lot of our own really quick and dirty videos. You know, we end up making a lot of videos faculty. just because the some of the powers that be want to see our branding and the documentation. So even if there's a completely fine version of it that Canvas has made and will be keeping updated, um, a lot of times we'll be asked to, to make a video just so that it has our branding in it. Oh, hmm. wow. Luckily, my college does not care at all about that because <laughs> I can sit down and, uh, you know, you snag it and make a two-minute video and have it published in three minutes. Well, I just mean they want to see us operating inside of our instance of Canvas. Oh. Um, about the only time that that really matters to me is that, in some cases, the way they're describing it, it doesn't fit with maybe the way we do things. And so right. that's where I see it gets confusing. And so that's where sometimes I, with the videos, it's like, well, yes, but we don't have, like, you can't self-register, or, oh, yeah, but you can't create your own classes, or, yeah, but we don't let you have access to that button. So, in those cases, it seems like for me, making our own videos, I, I, I really like them. But, yeah, I have to agree completely with Sam that use use the heck out of those Canvas guides, but, but direct faculty to them, because you're right, I think if you just said, oh, yeah, here are the guides, go find it, that would be extraordinarily overwhelming. But I love what you do, Sam. In fact, I might steal that. Um, that, you know, go find a guide on this topic. Yeah. I, th I think that's a great idea, and I really, when we redesign, don't be surprised if you see something like that in there, because I think that's a great idea. It sounds like yeah. the best of all possible worlds. So on the one hand, you're leveraging the power of the amazing documentation that uh, Canvas spends so much resources um, keeping um, up to date for us, um, and you're also... Um, Encouraging them to dip their toes in the water, try searching, you know, um, lose the fear of the um, of the of the community and the searching process of the guides. But then you're also providing them with a um, a training course that has links to all of the most important things that they have to do in that training course, so they also can go back to what they are already familiar to to find that that link if they're just like I, I need that specific thing and I'm not finding it by searching right now but I know it's in that training course um, under the the module on um, you know quizzes say if it was extending time or something like that so I, I really feel like that is that is a smart approach and probably the the way that I'm going to um, set this up in the future as well, because that way I really can, um, I can do what I want to do, which is give them training that's more realistic rather than trying to create this bookshelf of documentation for them. Um, 
creating something that that is realistic, but not completely um, putting them into the community on their own um, to fend for themselves. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking now that uh, during just a conversation that one of the assignments probably in the green green belt or or something for us would be to to get in there, join the community, and and just kind of maybe answer a question or or post a feature idea or do something like that so that we can start getting more of our folks getting involved with that that community and seeing that as like the search the guides, ask a question, you know, and then come and if it's still not working, kind of like in the order of the help corner button, you click that, here are the steps to getting help with Canvas, you know, search the guys, do a feature request, those kinds of things. And so I, I don't know, I'm just, I, I want more people to do that. And especially after InstructureCon, I feel like the community is going to be a great place for us to, to get into and to, and to connect with other like-minded people. And if our faculty can connect with another um, similar faculty at another institution, I think that'll even help them more Absolutely. too. Absolutely. I would love to find some way to incentivize um, our faculty members who earn badges in the community. Um, I, I don't know if there's a way for me to set up alerts so that if, you know, a certain group of people um, earn their, say, their um, their community um, pupil, I think that's the badge, the pupil badge, um, that there's some way that they could get incentivized for that. And speaking of incentivization, you know, we're talking about um, all the things we do to create these training programs, um, th these uh, material training materials, documentation, uh, but one thing that we haven't talked about is, aside from that brief little window of time where they're actually there on campus um, being paid to attend the, the new faculty orientation program or whatever it's called at your institution, uh, are your institutions doing anything to um, incentivize the the time spent completing these training programs because that's one thing you talk you know talking about people not showing up to the face to face trainings that's one thing that I am sensing um, I've heard it a little bit here and there but I sense it even um, on a larger scale that one of the reasons why they don't spend a lot of time doing as much as I think the us the creators of these programs what hope for is that they just have so many other um, requirements on their time and there's no real incentive or compensation um, for spending time on these training programs. Kona, you have a, um, you know, a mandatory, so uh, it's, it's one way to incentivize it is that before they can teach in, in these types of classes, they have to complete this. But um, I wonder if if you either one of you have any experience with um, offering up the carrot as, as well as the stick? With our budget at least, we, we don't have any money. Uh, I do know some places that do offer um, certain dollar amounts for building courses, developing courses, going through training. Um, for me, I really put it in as this isn't mandatory. Even you know the train the training's mandatory, but the use of Canvas, um, we really push up. You know this is going to save you time. This is going to make your life easier. And you know basically this is part of your job. So yes, they're busy, but you know what? They're they're getting paid to be faculty, and part of their job as a faculty and instructor, you know, it, it, that that's part of their job. So that that sounds kind of bad, but at the same time. Um, we try to make it fun. Um, not obviously this training we don't, but we offer some. So even though we have the online training, 
we still offer some mini face-to-face -face trainings, um, like on specific areas. Like I've done like a, a crash course in rubrics, and it was literally like a uh, come bring your lunch, and we're gonna you know bring a rubric, you know a paper rubric that you use, and we're gonna put it uh, online in Canvas, you know while you eat lunch today type of thing. And they seem to really enjoy those things. And a lot of times I'll bring, you know, I'll have food there uh, or maybe a little prize. You know, maybe I've got some campus extra swag. I might, you know, give out a little prize or something uh, for people who come or things like that. And that seems to work. Yeah, I was just, um, for us, I think one of the things we've decided to do as we get more and more faculty go through the white belt is maybe, or even if someone gets all the way up to black belt would be to recognize them during our, what we call convocation, which every, everyone comes together that right the week before classes start in the fall and the spring and be able to recognize these are the instructors who have received their green belts or their black belts, um, or maybe having some sort of party or something like that. Um, our Center for Teaching Excellence um, which is for all faculty online or face-to-face -to, -face to go and, and work or get, you know, do workshops and things like that. They have a, a party at the end of the semester every, every year, every semester. Um, so twice a year. So doing something like that, maybe recognizing folks that have completed the training um, publicly, uh, other than the other things that we talked about um, where they get a certificate and, um, and their badge um, thing and things like that. So I think that's kind of where we're going with our incentives. It's not necessarily financial. It would be more um, just recognizing them that they've they've done the work and they've completed something that other faculty haven't yet. Yeah, I think so. that that um, you know actually straight up money for time is probably going to be the hardest um, battle to fight. But I like what. Um, what you both said about, or Kona, what you said about um, offering up some Canvas swag. I had done that as well. So I had had our customer success manager just send me a small box of little items that I could give out. And I found, um, since we don't have a regimented program with achievement levels, I just found faculty who were doing um, what I thought were um, really interesting things and, and gave them some items. But I could see that being developed into a more regimented achievement level Okay, you get one of you get a you know coffee mug. It's very similar to the Canvasador program. If um, if you guys have checked that out, Kona, I know you probably I've seen you in there a little bit. So um, the Canvasador program, you earn points as you go through um, and do different things, and then you earn say a coffee mug or a pen or um, a T-shirt or something like that. So I think that could be one really interesting way to incentivize participation in these programs is through small little items of recognition like that. Um, I really like what you said, Sam, about doing parties or dinners um, or, or get-togethers or and, um, and recognizing these people in um, institution-wide events in some way. I think those are really great ideas um, for, for things that could be put into place um, quicker and with less resistance. Um, before we move into maybe the community-related stuff, was there anything else that we didn't really hit on that you guys wanted to talk about? I, I think I'm pretty good. I think it's yeah. been interesting. I've enjoyed hearing what everyone had to say. Good conversation. I've been writing down lots of notes. I got. I mean, you guys are helping me out a lot. Um, well, lots of good ideas from this. Great. I think that's why, um, like Sam said at the beginning, this would be a great 
start to a conversation, but it'd be wonderful to be able to continue this conversation because there are so many other questions I'm sure other people listening might have. And I think it's just, it'd be really great if we can continue the conversation um, because every time I think, you know, I like what we're doing, then I see something that someone else is doing and I'm like, you come up with all sorts of amazing ideas of how you can do things even better. And so I always love hearing what other people are doing or how other people are doing things. Um, kind of like you said, I've been taking, as Sam was saying, I'm like, oh, that's such a great, you know, oh, the gamification aspect or oh, that, and like, I, it's, I just love hearing what other people are doing because there's always something it seems like you can take away and integrate or, you know, come up with ideas to improve what you're doing. So here's one question that I did want to ask. Um, so how do you handle, once you've created these programs to take them through the process of building a course, um, Sam, you guys have achievement levels, so maybe this question pertains more to you. How do you handle the um, rapid development cycle of, of Canvas and your achievement levels? So how do you know that somebody who got a green belt a year ago um, may not actually have as much um, accurate knowledge as somebody who got a white belt um, or, or a, maybe a green belt um, more recently because of the new changes. Right. So one of the things that we were, um, what we're planning on since we're still in the development of green belt, so we're, we're safe for now, um, but it, going into the future, we know that things are going to come out. Like if when speed grader 2.0 is um, pushed out and so everyone who went through green belt um, early on would only know how to use the you know, 1.0 um, is creating almost like stripes uh, that a, someone in Taekwondo or martial arts would get on their belt. Um, we would do just like you know, those quick, hey, come see, learn about the new features and those kinds of things. And so the other thought too, so having many trainings, not necessarily they have to go through the entire course again, but letting people know that, hey, we've updated the whole how to use the speed grader and you can get a refresher course by going through this module um, or um, that there's a, a, you know, a, an expiration date um, that, that's been kind of thrown out there, too, that this green belt's good for one year or or whatever. And then to, to keep it, you need to go through this recertification because with everything, if we don't use it on a regular basis, we're going to we're going to lose that that um, knowledge. And so I think that's kind of the path that we're looking at is that it, yes, they have the achievement level. So either it expires or in order to keep it, they got to keep going through these like refresher modules and things to kind of keep it up to date, especially when a new release comes out, like here's the new UI or here's new speed grader, or, you know, the quizzes tool is now being revamped or whatever it ends up being. I like that. I could see that working. Um... First of all, we try to keep faculty obviously updated on some of the new changes. And then, at least for our online faculty, we have a two-year cycle where every two years, um, online faculty have to go through a peer review process of their online course and their teaching. And so I'm hoping that will be a chance to kind of remediate um, any areas because we can kind of check and see how they're doing things. And then kind of say, oh, you know, well, we noticed you're doing this. Did you, you know, notice that, hey, we've got these new features or, hey, you know, they've got this change. But otherwise, we just really try to stay um, on top of sending out updates and making sure all of our training materials, um, which can be kind of a daunting task, mm -hmm. uh, to make sure all of your training materials are updated with all the new um, releases that come out. But 
Yeah, and I would say the same thing about, you know, that when each each uh, beta release and production release, I try to let faculty know this is what's coming um, and link them to, to the guides that help explain the new feature and those kinds of things. And so keeping them up to date, I did find out that some people, um, I guess I email too often, so they, they just delete and ignore. But I did have one faculty member say, you know, they were talking back and forth and well, I just delete Sam's emails. Um, and that other faculty member chastised them. It's like, you don't do that. You read everything that Sam puts out there because <laughs> he's going to, he's telling you good stuff. It's not anything bad. So hopefully that more people don't delete them and they actually read them and, and get, you know, updates on what's going on. You know, it's funny. You mentioned that, um, July 14th, um, somebody in the community asked the question, how do you distribute information about updates in Canvas among your faculty? Um, so if you go into the community and search, search for that uh, question, um, there's a really good um, conversation going on about the different ways that people uh, try and distribute that information. Uh, my particular stance on this was I try and stay out of their emails as much as possible to avoid what you were just talking about. Um, so we try to put out all the information through channels that are opt-in rather sure. than, you know, email isn't even really an opt-out system. It's a, you get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you have to delete. And I, I've seen their inboxes. It's ridiculous how much email they get. So we do a blog, we do social media. Um, and then for slightly bigger things, we post announcements in our, in our Canvas course that all faculty are enrolled into, but there are lots of other good, um, comments to that question yeah. in the community. So I think that kind of leads, uh, unless we, we still want to keep talking about the orientations, but it kind of leads into what the other thing on our document about um, having our own internal uh, community group for just our institution. Um, yes. It sounds like we're all three kind of on the same page. So all three of us, well, just go ahead and give the background there on that, Sam. Yeah. So the, from what I, you know, in the second podcast, uh, Jordan had mentioned that there's this way to create what's called a secret um, community group so that only your institution, you invite those folks to to join it. And it allows for a lot of the same thing that the current community has, but only San Juan College or only um, your particular college's um focused. And so I think there would be a way to do events for trainings that are coming up, blog posts, announcements, those kinds of things. And so it, it would be a place where people could update their notifications and how often they want to be notified. Questions can be asked. Uh, I think that, so I'm just trying to figure out for me, um, what is the best way to set that up? I have a space. I just don't know what to do with it yet. And it, it might be all of the things I just said would be that that way to kind of move forward with that and provide my faculty a, a one place to go to on all things canvas related and to stay up to date that way. Yeah. I, you know, from, from a user of the community's perspective, I, I can see um, a lot of the benefits of setting up our own institutional space within the new community, um, going ahead and, and guiding people into the community, getting in, them in there early, um, leveraging all the power of Jive, such as um, quickly linking to other documents um, and bits of content within the community, um, looping in um, people. I don't, so I'm not sure of a lot of the back end things. I think that's where all three of us are right now, is we kind of understand it from a basic. Um, outsider's point of view, how we might 
leverage this secret um, space within the community for our institution and leverage what we've all been um, we've all been coming to learn about the the Jive software platform, but a lot of the uh, more specific mechanics of exactly what we will be able to do um, with with um, advanced permissions over this space still remain to be seen. I haven't seen any documentation or guidance from the community team for um, how people who say me as the Canvas admin for Coconino Community College um, now that I had this space created, I didn't see any way to start editing or adding uh, or changing things. So a lot of that, what do I do next, now that this space is created, still remains to be seen. Right. Uh, Connor, are you in the same boat? Uh, you've got, you guys have a space, but have you figured out how to use it yet? Well, you know, you said that, and I'm thinking, because honestly, I, I went in and I looked around, and it was one of those, like, what could I do with this? And there's so many things I could do, but I just really don't know how. Yeah, I guess I just I need a jumping off point of where where to go with this, or what might be the best, most effective use. And yeah. and honestly, I think, I mean, I already, I mean, in fact, I even invited a couple of the people that are already in here. Um, and are you sure you don't have a like a way to play around? Because I'm I'm on my page. And I've got a manage, and it allows me to set the settings and membership overview page, delete group. I mean, I've, I've got. You know, maybe I don't have the right permissions in this, um, in this place, or I think it's a, is it a group? It's a it's yeah, a it should be a group. Because um, when you look in, you should have. Yeah, um, it's a group. Um, so under actions, um, do you have a manage button? I do not see a manage, manage button anywhere on my page. Because mine says actions about and then manage right next to each other and manage. Oh like, nope, I've got I've just got actions and about. Okay. So <laughs> I'm missing some permissions. Yeah, but that's for me. And in fact, you know, wouldn't that make a great uh, if you guys are going to InstructureCon next year? Wouldn't that be great if we got, we could like figure out how to do this and even just kind of have a panel discussion? Yeah. On our experiences, I mean. Uh, you know, so maybe if we can, between us, you know, get some ideas and start integrating this with our faculty, we could then kind of share that. Because I think, I think it could be extremely powerful. Um, I think in general the community is amazingly powerful in regards to its resources, the wealth of information, um, not just from the content, but from the wealth of information in the people that are in the, con in the community. Um, is limitless. It seems like you can find an answer to just about anything. And yeah. I would love to be able to, you know, show my faculty, you know, look, you, we go to all these conferences to have conversations with people, but look at all the conversations that are happening right here in this community. And not just about Canvas. Um, there's been some really exciting conversations going on, uh, you know, about pedagogy and, and due dates. Um, I know Dallas posted a really interesting one about discussion due dates and assignment due dates. And uh, I mean, there's just been some really, really interesting discussions that, that aren't just Canvas related uh, that I think a lot of our faculty can benefit from. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm interested and I, and I hope that I make enough progress that I think that's a great idea that I hope to make enough progress to be in a position to, to maybe speak to this at, uh, at the next InstructureCon. Yeah, I would agree. It, it it's something that there there's so much power here that it it's going to take some guidance and maybe even touching base with someone from the community um, team to see if they
they can kind of help because they went had to do similar training just to get drive where it's at now are the canvas community so i think they would be our first at least to p pick their brain you know go yell at jordan a little bit to see if he can help us and, it's yes, I, I've... and it can make some um, some good podcast shows, too, as we um, work through this and figure this out. Maybe we put together um, a podcast episode on um, what we figured out, how far we've got, what's what we're doing, um, and, and sort of uh, provide some guidance to other institutions who might be setting up a, a community group um, on how we've been using it. Yep. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is just kind of trying to brainstorm with what do you want the community, because I think that's my biggest thing. I think if I could come up with an idea of what I want the community space, our private community space to be, you know, is it is it a place, just a jumping off point to get them into the community, but not really any real content? I mean, is it my, um, maybe kind of like you're talking about your black belt, is this kind of like the place where I get my upper level um, faculty who are my, you know, my high-end users to kind of do more of the collaboration on things. Is this, you know, I guess it's just kind of wrapping your brain around what's the best way to leverage this space for your particular college that isn't already available out in the community. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because so many are already great resources, you know, well, why not just direct them right there? So what can you do that your faculty will appreciate that's kind of your own thing but then take advantage of having these other resources that you can direct them to, but still make it relevant and important within your own space. Well, since right now my resource center for faculty is mostly just documentation, but I also try and use it as a way to facilitate communication um, between the, our department and faculty or between faculty and other faculty, I see myself transitioning those two purposes into this group in the community and what I do inside of our instance of Canvas uh, more in the direction of these um, training uh, courses like what each of you have talked about having where it's it's a realistic environment where you go through um, you're given information and then you're given tasks to practice and some sort of um, item to recognize your completion at the end. I see myself doing that in my instance of Canvas while moving what I'm currently doing in Canvas into the community. That's, that's kind of where I'm, where I'm thinking I might go with this. Um, and so then it's, you know, like I say, it's serving up documentation and, and trying to facilitate communication between everybody at our institution and hopefully um, sending them out into the rest of the community to start communicating with other people. Yep. I think it's, it's probably you're right on track there is it, it kind of expands what you have for your resource center. It takes the ability to have um, all of that documentation, but then folks can start a discussion around something or, or those kinds of things. And so it adds a, another level of communication or a way for them to interact than just a resource page. And the other thing, I mean, Canvas has a, um, a training course for faculty that they're working on, but I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't think it was such a bad idea if they wanted to go down the path of a more um, tiered training program, um, similar to the way the CAT programs, CAT Level 1, CAT Level 2, Canvas Authorized Trainer, 
those programs used to work. It would be um, real exciting to see Canvas actually create a program uh, for faculty to participate in um, so that regardless of what institution they're at, they could always go, you know, take the Canvas faculty certification level one or level two or or, or level three, and that could actually be something that faculty are able to put on their resume right. um, when they are going to apply at different institutions. Hey, I'm a Canvas level two faculty. Yeah, I think that's kind of a pretty cool idea. Yeah, it would save us time because then it would be awesome, just as awesome as the the guides are, and uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, and you you would know that it was being kept up to date, and um, you would know it would be transferable. Um, so it wouldn't be like, oh well, I'm a I'm a green belt at San Juan. Um, yeah, it would be I'm a I'm a level two faculty, you know, Canvas trained faculty, um, which is uh, speaking the same language for all institutions. Right. So then that that training and and quote unquote certification would would be a little bit more transferable from one institution to the next. So uh, the faculty who came and, and worked at Coconino Community College for a little while decided to take the Canvas uh, training because we encouraged them to. Well, now they're they are more um, desirable by San Juan or Richland Community College. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if instruct instructor, if you are listening. How about you just go ahead and solve this problem for us? We'll be happy to consult with you. That's right. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both so much for being here. Thanks, um, Adam. Thank you, Kona, for making me wake up this early in the morning. Um, no problem. I'm gonna be... You've got your whole day now to do stuff, right? That's right. <laughs> I try never to wake up this early um, if I don't have to. But now I have the whole day in front of me. <laughs> So I'm going to go try and put some of these great ideas, um, uh, take them from the scribble notes that I have now and try and start putting them into practice or at least more formal to-do lists so that I'll remember to do them later. But yeah, thank you both so much for your time and for your thoughts. This is a great conversation. I can't wait to see where where it goes from here. Yep. You bet. You're welcome. Yeah, good talking with everyone. Yep. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Connor. No problem. Yeah, thank you both. Well, that's it for this episode of the Canvas Podcast. We'll see you next time.